Welcome to the Elevate Your Running podcast with Sarah Mandershide and myself, Austin Myers. We are here to talk about all things running and life to elevate you not only in training, but also in your personal journey and relationships. We believe in the power of running and the ways in which we are stronger through our commitment. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to stay up to date on all future episodes and leave a review through the platform in which you are listening. Your support helps us to continue to build a community of like-minded people who strive to elevate their body, mind, and spirit through running. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to episode 14 of the Elevate Your Running podcast. This is Sarah Manderscheid with Austin Myers. Uh, How you doing, Austin? I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day. Uh, We're actually recording this the day after the Boston Marathon, so it's a Tuesday. The day that we typically upload our podcast, we're recording on the same day because we wanted to be able to hit at the race that happened yesterday in Boston, kind of break that down, and then also tie it into our own experiences um, but it was a fun race to watch. I know for all of the viewers who love running, it got them excited. It made them probably want to run again if they already did run that day. So um, I just feel like the running community is really on a high after the beautiful race that was uh, the Boston Marathon yesterday. Yeah, beautifully hard, I would say. Um, we'll get to that later. I'm so excited to chat about the race yesterday, my experience of running it last fall and all the painful moments that somehow slipped back into my memory yesterday of being on course. But before we get started, let's talk about our elevated moments of the week. Austin, um, what is your elevated moment for the week? My elevated moment is that it is moving week, and that is not an easy thing, Um, trying to move, especially moving from Colorado to Kentucky, um, which is, it feels like, about halfway across the country. Uh, We're moving at the end of the week, like we've already mentioned on the podcast, the, sh- the uh, podcast is going to definitely continue. Uh, we'll be recording virtually, so we're enjoying the opportunity to record in person. But uh, Abby and I are both really excited to, to be home um, in the hometown that we grew up in, to see our families again. Uh, we got to enjoy a really nice Easter. This is kind of like Elevated Moment Part 2, but mm. we got to enjoy a really nice Easter Uh, a few days ago, but it definitely showed us that we were missing our families and missing the celebrations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good luck this week with all the things moving related and getting things kind of tied up and ready to head back home. Yeah. Um, My elevated moment this week is definitely yesterday and definitely the two athletes that I coached who ran so strong yesterday. I was so proud of both of them and you know, as a coach, my my goal is to see all of my athletes race strong and race, you know, beautiful splits and all these things. And with Boston, um, you know, it's a little bit different. It's it's a hard, hard race. It's a tough course. The marathon, as we've mentioned before, doesn't owe us anything. And um, I know um, both athletes felt that yesterday, um, but they're both on cloud nine. They were both just a few minutes shy of their of their goal, which was awesome to see. And um, I got feedback this morning from one of my athletes that she had in her mind 
and in my mind too, like, um, she couldn't have had a better training cycle to prepare her for the hills. And there's only so much you can do to prepare for the hills. And um, I know that when she goes back again to race it, we can kind of build off of that first training cycle and um, and she'll be better prepared for those downhills, um, which are really, really hard on the quads. So with that, let's get into talking about all things Boston. Let's talk about the recap. What an amazing day for racing. They had what seemed to be beautiful weather on the course. I think um, hearing from athletes who raced and friends who raced, you know, maybe the sun was a little bit stronger, a little bit sunnier than they would have liked. I know a lot of athletes are sunburned uh, today. And uh, there was also some headwind, but the temperature was fairly cool. Um, the humidity was fairly low and it was pretty much the exact opposite from last fall. Um, I was in wave three. I started at 10 a.m. Eastern last fall. It was about 70, 66 degrees when I started, 90% humidity. So a vastly different um, weather day, but we didn't have wind. Maybe wind would have helped. I don't know. But there there were uh, headwinds yesterday, but everyone seemed to just crush right through it. and, And no one really talked about it too much. Right, yeah, I didn't see anybody post on, on social media, you know, with without a smile on their faces. Like, there were definitely people who were talking about, you know, the tough day that they may have had, but at the end of the day, the message was that the fans were amazing, the course was amazing, mm-hmm. um, and the Boston Marathon was back in its rightful place in April, uh, Patriots Day in Boston. And I think it was a really, really great day for it. And it was it was just amazing to see like the the celebrations um, all over the place from everyone who got the chance to run that race yesterday. Absolutely. And the crowd is just incredible. And um, it was a great day for most people. And I can definitely lean into that and understand like I didn't have the race that I wanted last year. I don't know many people who actually run Boston and have the race that they want unless your name is Nell Rojas. And um, and it's really tough. And at the end of the day, as, as competitive as I am, as much as I love to succeed and hit my A goal, A time, you know, really great splits, race, smart, um, all that stuff kind of in my mind went kind of down the drain last fall. And I still was smiling and happy and just so grateful to be there because it does feel like such an honor and a privilege to be able to race um, on the streets of suburbs of Boston, running into Boston, and it's incredible. Yeah, and I know we want to talk about kind of marathoning as a whole and how much you can learn from every single race that you run, whether it be half marathon, marathon, um, or even the shorter distances if you're you're going for a PR. And you mentioned Nell. Um, again, for the second, I guess I'll say year in a row of the Boston Marathon, but um, it you know it happened in six months. <laughs> a six month turnaround um, because they raced the twenty twenty one edition in October. Um, it, I think it really just speaks to the importance of strategy and specificity within your training. She had just raced that course, and she didn't have another marathon before she went right back into running Boston, and. From what I saw on her social media, um, a lot of her training, well, probably all of her training was built around specifically preparing the legs for Boston, the hills that you have to deal with. 
Um, and we saw some of the other runners who didn't have that Boston experience. They struggled because of it. You can, you can read about it. You can look at the course profile. You can try to simulate it, but you have to have the specificity within your training um, for the type of marathon that you're running. And, you know, honestly, like the, the muscle memory of what Nell ran in October and then turning it around right back into April, um, you know, she, she kept that in her mind and her body was ready for it too. And it showed off. She got a PR and once again, she was the first place American woman. Yeah, it was incredible to see, incredible to to witness just everyone running yesterday. It brought back all the feels. And I know she was very, very deliberate. She took the time off that she needed to rest and recover. She was very specific, not just with her actual training workouts. It wasn't really about that. It was spending more time in the gym and working on her quads and her leg strength. She is a powerhouse on hills. Hills are her strength. Um, it was the downhill last fall that was challenging for her. So she worked and um, really worked on strengthening her legs so she could crush the downhills. And she did just that. She ran an incredible PR on a really tough course. She's now the sixth fastest woman overall for the course record, which is incredible. And I would not be surprised. You know, she's sponsored with Adidas. Adidas also sponsors the Boston Marathon. Would not be surprised if she wants to go back in a year and see what she can do because she is a powerhouse. And it was really cool to see her not just strategize with, okay, let's fine tune some things within my running, but let's actually work on those 1% things. Let's get back in the gym. Let's really work on uh, mobility, strength in the legs, feet mobility, ankle mobility, all of those things. The nutrition piece I know was a big component for her as well. Um, and creating some really awesome tune-up races along the way. She ran the Houston Half Marathon. Um, she ran a 10K in Mesa, and she also raced, I want to say, a few weeks ago, and she was just very, very deliberate with her entire, like, six months, and it's a great example of what we as recreational runners can also do with our training, right? We get to be intentional. We get to create purpose. We don't just get to sign up for races. I mean, you can, if you want to sign up for races and just like, see what happens. Um, but if you really want to be result or if you are results oriented and you really have a strong goal, you get to be very specific with your training and, um, and it's a lot of fun too. Yeah, I mean, intentionality with every step of the process. You mentioned getting into the gym, um, approaching hill workouts with a specific purpose, recovery, you know, after the 2021 Boston Marathon so that she was ready for the 2022 edition and, and then strategically placing some of those tune-up races in there as well. Um, it's just really a testament to like, there's not one single thing that you can do to prepare for a race. It's a culmination of multiple factors, endless factors. Yeah. I mean, we can just continue to list them, but if you can be intentional and focus on each individual factor when it's it's when it's when that one's turn to basically execute on, yeah. like literally sleep. Like if you're going to sleep, sleep as hard as you can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like sleep as well as you can, and then when it's time to wake up in the morning and, and look at the goal of your run and um, approach that workout with a specific purpose, do that as well as you can too. 
Um, just be as intentional as possible, execute to your highest ability level on that specific day. And when we can do that, it adds up. And that's what gets celebrated is when it adds up and you see you know, the race result, but there's multiple individual celebrations that you can have as an athlete throughout the process because you're celebrating the fact that you're building up to something that other people are going to see. Absolutely. And I feel like it's, it's worth noting that you know, the elites make it seem easy, right? We're watching them yesterday. They just look so dialed and it looks so seamless and they are running very fast. And they still do so much work to get there. They don't just like roll out of bed and show up and like, all right, I'm here, I'm gonna crush it. They're doing all these little things throughout the training process. And something else that Nell did along with some other athletes, um, elite athletes, and I encourage um, anyone listening, if you have the ability to do this, is she actually went out to Boston and raced the course maybe a month ago, dialed in the turns, dialed in the areas that she needed to dial in. Pretty sure she was running a 20 or 22 mile long run in the back half, right, of the course um, and getting that super dialed in. So I have athletes racing on May 1st in Fort Collins. My invitation to them this whole training cycle has been, you live an hour away from the, from the course that you want to be key on, spend the time to drive up there and race or do a long run on the course. It's only going to help you. It's only going to give you an advantage on race day. Now, I don't think anyone actually took me up on that offer, and that's kind of too bad. Um, but at the same time, I get it. Life is busy, and we get to find balance within our training. And, you know, typically the elites are 100% focused in on running and all the things around the training to set them up for success, where us as, you know, recreational runners, if you will, um, have families and jobs and other responsibilities. So just doing what we can is great too. Yeah. And I think there's an important question, question to ask in there. And it's like, what am I willing to do, um, to basically, you know, achieve a goal that I have set and, you know, in, in Nell's case and what you were encouraging some of your athletes to do is be willing to go a little bit out of your way to scout out the course. Um, just gain that little bit more knowledge, gain that little bit more, um, physical advantage that other people may not have because you have more time on the course. But if we just consider us as recreational runners who just want to PR in a specific distance, what are you willing to do that you didn't do last time you trained mm -hmm. for that distance, for that PR? Just continue to ask yourself that and find little advantages that you can give yourself. You have to go out of your way to get them. Like advantages are not gained um, by being passive, you have to take an active approach. But if you can find that little edge that you can give yourself, even if it's over your past self, mm -hmm. that's going to really help you towards uh, continued improvement over time. Absolutely. It all starts with you, right? That was the message last week, the message on social media this whole week. It all starts with you. No one can do that for you. You get to figure out how to move the needle a little bit in each training cycle to set yourself up for success. That could be a small shift in your mindset on track workout days, right? It could be a small shift in the nutrition. It could be 
running your long runs on the course. Muscle memory is a beautiful thing. And for the athletes racing in a few weeks, I hope they all three of them have, uh, three of them have some really awesome goals and they hope to be in Boston in 23. And I hope they all get that. Um, and it would have been really cool to see them also have some muscle memory on their legs going into race day, but that's okay too. Sometimes we get to find that balance of what can I do in this training cycle to be set up for success and they've all crushed their training. So that's a good thing. And here's really like, I love the marathon because we all hurt in the same way across (laughs) 26.2 miles. The pace is relative. Um, like you see these elites running five minute to five thirty, you know, minute per mile paces and that part's unimaginable, but the pain feels the same because, um, you know, 26.2 miles will bring you back to, to reality pretty quickly when you start to hit that initial wall, which we all will in a marathon. Um, but the strategies that we can implement based off of you know, our ability or our goal to pace a marathon and, you know, what time we're aiming for. Um, it's all relative. And the things that we're seeing these elite athletes do, we can take these strategies, we can implement them. Um, and we've talked a lot about how important it is to not just focus on the physical strategies, but the mental strategies as well. Um, what are you going to do when it starts to hurt? What are you going to do um, you know, as far as setting a pace plan, all of these are important considerations that the elite athletes are making and you get to as well by just simply putting yourself out there on race day. Absolutely. I mean, we all are going to feel the hurt and the pain in a slightly different way. And, um, what I like to tell my athletes when they're feeling that, you know, things are feeling tough, things are feeling hard, things are feeling uncomfortable is to shift that into this is just intense right now. And also, if you're racing and those feelings come up, you know, you get to practice all of this stuff in training, right? How you show up in training is how you show up on race day. So I had an athlete yesterday uh, or this morning, she uh, sent me a note on Instagram. We actually went to high school together. So um, shout out to her. She completely crushed Boston and I know it was super tough for her and yet still did so, so, so well. And, um, and she said, um, you know, I didn't walk at all. And I was like, heck yes, that's amazing. Um, because you probably didn't walk in training when it got hard. And, um, so what you get to do in training is really practice for race day, right? Shifting your mindset from this is hard to this is intense. And then also knowing when you're running around people, especially after mile 20, everyone's in the same pain cave to some extent. And it is all very much, everyone goes through the exact same thing. The elites do as well. And I think we talked about this on a past episode that the elite runners, actually what sets them apart, not alone just from being able to hold a pace like that for 26.2 miles and just being in incredible shape, but they have a higher pain tolerance than the rest of us. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I was actually talking about this yesterday um, after watching the Boston Marathon. And I was kind of thinking about what a marathon is. Um, I'm, I guess, like five and a half, six weeks out from my marathon. So watching the race yesterday got me really excited for racing. 
um, specifically and like really shifted my mindset from I'm training because I love training to now it's like I'm training because I'm going to race. It's go time. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was like Boston Marathon timing was perfect for me. Um, but I was thinking about what a marathon is and how, you know, we can't outrun our fitness level. We all have a certain fitness level and, you know, hopefully we're strategic in setting our goals on a timetable and, you know, on a a pacing strategy that's realistic for that fitness level. We can't outrun that, but we can maximize it. We can find the upper tier of what we're able to handle for 26.2 miles and we can do everything we can to hold that pace. And it's really about setting those audacious goals at the upper end of what you believe is possible and then going out there on race day. And like you said, going out there on those bigger workout days, those long run days where you have marathon pace efforts in there and just practicing those mental strategies Mm -hmm. and just playing out in your mind, how am I going to overcome this this pain, the stress that's going to build up on race day? Because... I was thinking, you know, about 26.2 miles, 26.2 miles, obviously the distance of a marathon, and we're not going to go into the history of why that's the distance of a marathon (laughs) and all that. But, you know, for people who have run multiple marathons, I would go out on a limb and say 26.2 miles in and of itself is not that impressive for someone who's run multiple marathons. You've done it multiple times, but it's impressive how you're going to put yourself out there on that race day and try to run that 26.2 miles stronger than you've ever run that distance. Yeah. And how you're going to handle the moments when it gets hard. Mm -hmm. And that is what we saw so many of these athletes, even the elite athletes who did not have a good day. Yeah. We saw athletes who, you know, mentioned that nutrition was an issue, which, you know, you want to talk about an elite athlete you know, kind of coming into focus for us as recreational runners, like we have nutrition issues as well. So do the elites. Yeah. But they push through it and that can be celebrated. Even if you have a rough day on the course, you can celebrate the fact that you push through. And I know we've talked about too, like adjusting your goals mid race. If something goes wrong, all right, shift the approach, but still try to leave every bit of yourself out on the course. Absolutely. The the marathon doesn't owe us anything. The Boston course certainly doesn't owe anyone anything. We saw, you know, elites drop out, rightfully so, making the decision to just cut it short. Um, We saw Olympians walking in the last 10K, but still finishing the race, which was a big win for a certain... uh, you know, Jacob Riley had a tough day yesterday. He ran a 2.30, and he was definitely walking in the last 10K. And, um, you know, I saw a story on Instagram where it said Olympians, just like us, and it showed him walking. And it's, like, not to make him feel bad at all, but, like, it does – the marathon can definitely bring everyone to the exact same level, especially the Boston course. It's very, very humbling, and it's very tough, and the hills are just relentless. Yeah. And, you know, Molly Seidel pulling out after 16 miles. um, I think that's a good example of what we were mentioning earlier with she had never run that course. Like she's, you know, been in the Boston area and trained in the Boston area, but she's never run a Boston marathon. Um, And, you know, an injury or some pain flared up that she didn't want to turn into an injury. She pulled out of the race. Yeah. 
you know, these, that's a hard moment. Like it's one thing to finish, you know, with a, a poor time. That's definitely like not what you were intending for, but to not finish is, you know, that's a low moment for an elite athlete. You know, nonetheless for, you know, if, if one of us were to not finish a marathon, yeah. if we were to have to DNF, but understanding that that's part of the human experience, we have to face those challenges and now, you know, the day after the race where the struggle may have happened, it's time to start building back up, however that looks. Yeah. Like maybe you have to go into a period of rest and recovery. Rest and recover as well as you can and then start to build back up. And, you know, certainly for Molly DNFing, I hope that, you know, she comes back in a year or two and absolutely crushes it because that would be a testament to the ability to just endure all that, you know, 26.2 miles and running that distance at as fast of a pace as you can, um, you know, that's, it's a hard thing to do. Uh, and we're going to fail sometimes. We're going to fall on our face. And when we do, that's where you really show what you're made of. Yeah. It's shooting your shot, right? And knowing where that line is. And I think it's actually really incredible. She released, it was either a story or a post this morning. And she said, you know, she shoot her shot or she shot Shot her shot. Yeah. <laughs> she shot her shot. Thanks, Austin. And like, you know. It's a basketball term. By yeah. the way. <laughs> Wait, is it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, she quote unquote failed at it, right? Like she blew up. And that's okay. It's riding that line. I think it's incredible. Now she knows where that line is. And she knows that she put it all out there versus you know, maybe just playing it a little bit more conservative and not really giving it your all. And then you're disappointed after the fact of saying, I could have tried harder. I could have ran faster. I could have run differently. That also doesn't feel good. So I'm really excited for her just for her quote unquote comeback. When she does decide to come back from this, um, she gets to sit in whatever feelings that she wants to sit in for however long she wants to do that for. And when she comes back, she's going to be a lot stronger of an athlete because of it. Yeah, and it was it was interesting. We were in Mesa, obviously. You ran the Mesa Marathon. Uh, she ran the half. That was kind of like her tune-up race for Boston, or was intended to be one of her tune-up races for Boston. Um, and we were, we were really curious to see what time she would put out on that day um, because a few weeks prior at the Houston Half Marathon and Marathon, uh, we saw Sarah Hall set the American women's record for half marathon. So we were kind of like, hey, Mesa's a fast course. Is Molly going to go out there in Mesa, Arizona and try to best that, you know, American half marathon PR? Um, and she didn't. She ran an extremely impressive time. I can't exactly remember what it was. But I remember what she said after was that she ran that at marathon pace. And she, I guess, got a little bit of criticism or, or questioning mm -hmm. from that because th this is just a guess. I think the pace was 5.20 minute per mile that she ran that half marathon at. And she said, you know, people were basically like, that's not your half, that's not your marathon pace. And she said, that's my goal marathon pace. And that was the strategy that she had implemented for that tune-up race. She yeah. wanted to run what was her goal half or her goal marathon pace at 520 minute per mile let's assume that's what it was and you know she in a way blew up yesterday running the hills of Boston um, trying to stick with that lead pack 
which was probably working its way down into that 520 minute per mile and then faster because I know they ran some sub fives in there as well. Um, and she blew up. So she did not hit, you know, what was the goal pace? What was the pace that she was able to run in Mesa? But that doesn't mean the goal has to shift because that's certainly in her um, ability level. It's yeah. just you have to shape some different approaches. You have to look at how you can get you know, that half a percentage, that 1% better over time. Mm -hmm. And eventually that 520 minute per mile may just be marathon pace for a PR that she goes out and runs. Absolutely. I think it's really inspiring actually because she hung on for 16 miles and that is a fast, fast pace. And um, I have a friend who ran the Houston Marathon and she ran a 2.34. She is in the Olympic time trials for the marathon and she is amazing. And she said eight years ago, that pace that she ran was like her 10K pace. And her coach said, it's gonna take time, it's gonna take patience, it's gonna take a lot of hard work. This is going to be your marathon pace. And like, how, does that just give you goosebumps? So like, Molly is well on her way and good for her for leaning into, an, you know, a tough um, pace per mile on an extremely tough course and completely shooting her shot and like knowing that they're probably in the back of her mind was this fact of this might not happen today and yeah. that's okay. Yeah, there's risk involved to uh, setting big audacious goals and aiming to achieve them, especially on race day and especially on some of those bigger workout days where you've got that marathon pace that scares you a little bit yeah and you've got to go out there and perform but you know that feeling of being a little bit scared is exactly where you need to be absolutely um you know there's there's an area where we improve and that area is right at the the upper echelon of what we can currently do we have to find you know these areas where we're not sure if we can do it, but it's not so far out of the realm of possibility that we know we can't do it. Yeah. We have to find what might be possible and then do everything we can to get there. Yeah, and I think um, one way I like to look at that, and it's how I'm approaching Chicago, because I'm going to be shooting my shot in Chicago this fall for sure, is you know sometimes the wheels fall off, right? We've all been there, but sometimes they stay on. Yeah. And so like, let's do what we can do and just see... Let's roll the dice and see where we stand because if we try and attempt enough times, the wheels will stay on at some point. And I think that's really encouraging and inspiring and um, it's exciting. Yeah, don't let the fear of failure stop you from even trying. Yeah. So many of us get caught um, in that loop where it's like, I'm going to go for it. And then you get a little bit into it and you're like, I don't know if I can do it. So oh, you yeah. pull out or you... You I've lower your goal. Yeah. Like, it's okay to have a goal that's there and sits there for years. Yeah. And just to continue to chip away over time. Because if you allow yourself that time and you allow yourself, um, you know, what is necessary, which is just continuing to refine your approach, you'll get there eventually. You just have to be patient and intentional with every single little action that you take. Absolutely. I think it's... Um, we've all been there, right? Like I definitely ran a tune-up race uh, before Boston. It was just a 10K. Um, it kind of came in last minute, and that's all I could really get into my schedule for that day. And I remember um, 
you know, going in, shooting my shot in the 10K race distance. And I did end up PRing. I PRed by 59 seconds, which felt really good. Previous PR was at sea level. This was at altitude. But at the same time, there was a lot of fear that crept up in the second 5K, second half of that 10K. And I remember looking down at my watch and seeing a pace that I was not feeling comfortable running um, for another three miles. And what what do you think happened? Did I share the story already? I slowed down. It's important. (laughs) Yes. And it's like, maybe it's not looking at your watch. Maybe it's leaning into your intuition and your body and what your body is feeling versus letting your head control your pace. Let your legs and heart control your pace and just see what happens. Yeah, we, we certainly put limits on ourselves. And yeah. um, this is something that I learned um, through lifting weights is like, if you say you're going to get five reps, you're going to do like three really easy reps. And then the fourth one's going to be hard because you, you put this limit on yourself that you can only do five. Yeah. But it's like, don't limit yourself or at least put the limit at the highest point of what you think is possible. Because you can certainly achieve more than you realize, but yeah. it's the limiting factor that is, you know, our minds that say, I can't hold this pace. I can't lift this weight. You can. And there's fear that maybe says that you can't or that what happens if I do fail trying to do it. But I'd much rather find out what I can do and, and learn that through a little bit of failure along the way and some slip-ups and some missteps and some learning opportunities than to never actually discover what I'm capable of. Yeah, because you never really do know. And when you put yourself out there, you might just see like, oh, wow, I just ran a really fast half marathon. And now I'm kind of in this window of possibly BQing if I can string this into a marathon distance and heading to Boston in a few years. And it's all these stepping stones, right? Um, That can get us back to uh, Marathon Monday and experiencing all of the feels that that course provides. Um, And that's what I love most about racing. It's so beautiful. It's like you not only have all the good feels and all of... um, all of the endorphins, running endorphins, like everyone yesterday was just feeling so happy. And I was right there with them that fall, like last fall, like just so excited. And it's also a really great day to learn a lot about yourself as an athlete and as a runner and how you're going to show up on a tough course. Yeah. I know for this certainly isn't the case for the elites, but for many of us who are recreational runners, that's a 26.2 mile celebration of how far you've already come. Yeah. Because it is not an easy thing to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Um, and yeah, you may show up to Boston on race day and have big goals for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. If you want to go out there and try to set another PR um, on that course, go for it. But a lot of people had that goal in mind and they didn't achieve it. And there were still smiles on their faces because at some point during that race, they realized how amazing this experience was for them and how much they earned the right to be there and to run those 26.2 miles. I think everyone knows I had a tough race that day. I ran, you know, 10 miles great and then the wheels started to come off. And 
I wasn't looking at my watch after 20 because it was, well, no, I would say probably about 16 because the strategy was to not look at my watch on the hills. And then I wasn't really feeling like I even wanted to look at my watch because I knew that I was just breaking down. Um, And that's okay. But when I took that last turn down the straightaway, it's about a half mile, I think, to the finish line. And I looked down at my watch I saw that I was in contention to PR and at that moment, you know, I got that like third wind, maybe sixth wind of the race and like had the extra kick to like kick it in and have a very, you know, I I had a very marginal PR. At the same time, if I had run five minutes slower, I know the outcome would have been the same grateful for the experience, grateful to be there. A lot of times during the course, I heard this a lot yesterday. It was my experience as well. You're having a tough day. The hills just completely humble you. Who cares? You're at the Boston Marathon running and you get to celebrate with everyone around you. Everyone is just feeling so good and everyone is so happy and positive and yes, in pain and feeling all the struggles and Maybe they're DNFing, maybe they're not, but it's still such a fun day to celebrate what we love to do, which is running. It's a privilege to be humbled. Yeah. It's a privilege to feel the pain that we feel in a marathon. Not everyone gets to do that. And, um, you know, one of the most amazing things to see on these major marathon days are the people who are, you know, running these marathons and are physically disabled. Yes. People finishing the Boston Marathon for the, you know, eighth time, I think is what I saw from somebody, and they're blind. Yeah. And it's a privilege to be out there and to get to experience every bit of that. And it's truly amazing when you see that that on the course. I remember when I was running my marathon in uh, Indianapolis in November, I saw someone pushing, I'm assuming it was their kid, I don't know, but they were pushing them for the entire race. Yeah. And in a wheelchair or a stroller. Yeah. It's bigger than a PR. It's yeah. always bigger than a PR. It is. Um, and it, it's you can't come out of a marathon and not think it was an amazing experience. And when you really get to break it down and you kind of get some separation from that pain that you were feeling, yeah. you truly appreciate it. Absolutely, and it all goes back to training, right? And enjoying the process and enjoying all the things with training and and if we get to be you know we can go out for a run four five six days a week maybe you're doing some doubles maybe you're only you know running a few times a week it doesn't matter we get to do it it's a privilege that we get to do it because it can be taken away at any given point or um just not feel good or be in a different season of it so and I, I do believe that that privilege is maximized. Like we we take advantage of that privilege um, by trying to improve, mm-hmm. and by take advantage, I mean in a positive way. Like we are showing appreciation for what we get to do by trying to get a little bit better every single time. Yeah. Um, and you know we express our strength through trying to get a little bit better each time. And even if it doesn't happen, that's okay because. Like we said last episode, there's no finish lines. You've got benchmarks. Yeah. Hit your benchmarks and keep going. If you cross the Boston Marathon finish line yesterday, Monday, April 18th, 2022, I would imagine that you probably want to run it again. 
Oh, yeah. A very, very large, overwhelming percentage of people want to run that Boston Marathon again. That finish line that they crossed was not a finish line. Yeah. Well, I think go back. a lot of people want redemption on the hills, too. <laughs> yeah. I know I do. It's like, okay, I can train differently. I know what I'm doing this time around. And... I think it's really special. And even if you didn't get the time that you wanted yesterday or in the race that you're looking to run or the race that you ran, um, know that you're still a stronger runner because of it. And you, there's a ways and things to learn um, about yourself and about the process. And that's a win in my book. Yeah, absolutely. Set those goals big. Um, be audacious. And you know what? When fear starts to set in, appreciate it. Appreciate it for what it is because it's you getting out of your comfort zone and it's you growing. Like yeah. that is a, it, you know, fear is just one of the many stress responses that we have. And stress over time, balanced with rest, equals growth. Yeah. Allow yourself to be stressed. Allow yourself to rest and get better over time. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Adaptation, right? Let's get stronger. Let's get fitter, faster, happier, one day, one run at a time. So that is our uh, 2022 Boston Marathon recap and, and some of our primary takeaways as we watched uh, the race that took place on Patriots Day of 2022. Uh, we appreciate you for tuning in and we definitely encourage you to interact with us on social media, uh, through the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to, please send us your elevated moments. Uh, we definitely want to be able to share those elevated moments. I know we were doing it um, in some of our earlier episodes, and we want to get back into that. So if you'd like to send your elevated moments to us, you can do it at elevateyourrunningpodcast at gmail.com and let us know that we can share that on our upcoming episodes. If you'd like to interact with us on social media, you can do that as well. You can find me on Instagram at Austin Myers 12. And Sarah, where can they connect with you? Absolutely. On Instagram and Twitter at Sarah, S-A-Y-R-A-H runs happy and at Elevate Your Running. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. Congratulations to everyone who ran yesterday. I'm so proud of everyone, especially to Denise and Dina. You both rock. Very proud of you.